We're on a mission to help golfers from all over the world achieve their goals by understanding what it actually takes to play their best golf. We're talking with leading instructors, researchers, and players themselves to find what is actually working. Hey, thanks for joining us today. You are listening to one of our partner shows. It is the Tour Coach Podcast with Tony Ruggiero. He has some phenomenal guests on talking about teaching tour pros. He'll have his players on. Just always a great show. Today was another great episode. I want to share that with you here on the Golf Science Lab Podcast. Let's get into it. Sitting down with me here on the Tour Coach is someone that uh, I've had the opportunity to meet through the years. And uh, one of the things I like doing here on the Tour Coach is just bringing on folks that I have found to be just brilliant teachers, brilliant people in the world of golf who's made an influence on me. And one of them is I think he's one of the great teachers in the game. I love the stuff he puts out. He's old school, but he still does all the science stuff. Always enjoy my time to sit and hang out with him. Golf Magazine Top 100 Teacher, Ted Sheftick. Ted, what's up, my man? Well, just sitting here watching it uh, snow and, and cold, and and uh, it's just one of those days where you're not going to do much unless you have an indoor facility like I have, then you can do do a lot of nice stuff. Yeah, well, you, you know, and, and I don't mean this to make you sound old, but you've been doing this a long time. been teaching players at all levels. I love watching the stuff that you do with juniors up there. You know, that's a big passion of mine. But I, I want to. What I kind of want to pick your brain on today is, you know, you've been doing it a long time. How have you seen instruction change over the years, and what are some of the constants though that you've kept along the whole time? You know, like because I, mean, I, I think that the great teachers, I think we evolve a little, or you guys evolve, and and but I, but I think that mo- a lot of the stuff you teach just stays stays the same. And I'd like your comments on that, and kind of how you perceive your your evolution as a teacher over the years? Well, some of the, the stuff that you see right now on uh, YouTube and uh, a lot of the teachers that I have kind of watched uh, through, like you watch on Facebook and so forth, I think they get too complicated with uh, the, you know, the, the swing. They, they make things complicated. I like to keep things really simple. And I've never, ever, as long as I've been teaching, I've been teaching golf since, since the 1960s. So I've been teaching golf for 50-some years, and I still see the same fundamentals of Hogan and Sam Snead and Gene Sarazen and all the top players then and the players today. You know, they all have a, a good pivot. They use the lower body excellent. They turn back to the ball good. Back then, you you, you seen a, maybe a bigger turn, a little bit more hip turn, uh, a little more shoulder turn, you know, and, and the foot came off the ground a little bit more. And in today's modern swing, you see the foot staying the ground more. And you see less turn going back. But uh, in reality, if you have a, a young player that can can uh, have the flexibility to have a, a less turn, that's okay. But you get someone who's a senior golfer, mid-30s, they have to get that foot off the ground. They have to turn more. Arms have to go back, maybe a little bit more higher, more extension back. But, but basically... I don't see a lot of difference in the in the the great swings of yesterday and the great swings today. I just feel that teaching has gotten better. I think there are better, more teachers out there like myself who studied the game for all those years. I've studied Hogan. If you go into my learning center, you'll see pictures of Hogan everywhere. 
all yeah. I have is pictures of Hogan, you know, and, and I can point to a finger and I say, look, look at, look at the grip of his left hand. Okay, look how, look how he's putting left hand in the golf club. He spent one chapter on the grip. So the fundamentals of grip, stance, posture, you know, take away. So one of my best backswing is take it back to stage two so the shaft stays outside, the club head stays outside the hands. Thumbs work up in the backswing, left arm works in, you, and, you, and you have a perfect point. I, I don't think it's any more simpler than that, you know. No, I agree, and I think as I look at golf instruction, it seems to me, and, and you look at the greats, it's like the more things change, the more they stay the same. And, in fact, like it, to me, with some of the science and st- you know and stuff that's out there, I do a lot with Swing Catalyst, and, you know, Dr. Lim, is, I've done a bunch with him. and But like to me, it's almost the more stuff they come up with, the more we go back to the Hogan's and the Sneeds, right? Like there's just more hip turn. I, I remember when I started 20 years ago or so with, Hank Johnson was my mentor, and, you know, back then, I mean, we kept – there was a little bit less hip turn and a little bit quieter lower body. If anything, the science and the stuff has kind of taken us maybe back even a little more old school, if you, if you will, to those pictures and stuff that you keep in your hitting bag. Absolutely. I, I still feel that when I look at Jack Nicklaus, his foot came off the ground. Arnold Palmer's foot came off the ground. They had a great hip turn. They got a great shoulder turn. And uh, but I do believe that uh, on the takeaway, I like to see a lower lower body stay relatively quiet. I like to see just a slight turn to the right with the hips. As the arms move outside the pocket, the left knee starts to come in. The hip turns back. Arms go up. And I tell my students, all you need when you, when you get outside the pocket, just let your arms go up. If you continue to turn. The shoulders back, you're going to end up with a reverse weight shift. You're going to overturn your shoulders. Your, your head's going to go forward. But if you can get back outside that pocket and let your arms go up, extend up and to the right a little bit and just kind of maintain that, what I call, hold the load in that right leg a little bit longer, it's that now you're in position to make a powerful move with the lower body. And, that, and I teach that on the backswing all the time. Of the young guys out there, the tour players out there, what swings do you look at because you've been doing this so long and you and, and you have so much knowledge of some of the great players? What are your favorite golf swings out there today and why? Well, I like Colin Molinari. I think he's terrific. I think his coach has done a great job. I mean, I think that's a swing you can emulate. I still love McElroy because McElroy makes such a great turn going back but doesn't overturn, gets his hands in a high position, you know, and I, and I, I still think he's one of the great golf swings of, yeah. of the last 20 years. You know, I, just when I study, I studied McElroy in the modern age. And yeah. uh, so I, I, those are two of, my, two of my favorite swings. No, I agree. And, I mean, uh, I, I love the way Marikawa swings now, you know. And I know people argue about playing or, and stuff, but, man, that thing just paints it. And, I mean, he's such a wonderful iron player. He uh, There's not a lot of motion. He, he makes a great turn away from the ball. There's not a lot of head movement. Uh, there's right. no swing to the right. You know, uh, I, I'm not into anything swing. I don't like to see the, the right hip move toward the target in the back leg. I want to see the right hip loaded in the back leg and trying to maintain the position until you get close to the top and then let the lower body go. But I see uh, I see too much swing on the right. I see too much hip moving to the left too early. I'm a really big believer of uh, – I, I remember when I went out to see Ben Doyle and uh, back in 87 – 88, I went out there and, and watched him teach. I sat in the chair. I heard Ben Doyle say a lot, sit and tilt. He said, take this off, feel like you're sitting down and tilting back to the right. And if you do that, you're actually moving your left hip correctly to the left. You're not 
you're not swaying, you're not oversliding your left hip to the left. You're you're getting your body in position where you can release the club. And your head's not falling back, your hips aren't going too far forward. It's still one of my, my favorite sayings is sit and tilt and what I'll do is put a soccer ball between their legs, you know, soft soft soccer ball. And when I get to the top of the back swing, I say, let's separate the soccer ball to the left, stay steady, stay, you know, and then once that soccer ball leaves, let that right side go through the ball. And that always allows my players to not overshift to the left or overslide to the left. So it's a drill that I use all the time. Yeah, I think one of the big things now is, is you know, I, I see folks in with all the stuff out there about turning the hips. And, I mean, I love loading the right side, getting somebody to load and pivot lined up correctly, but I see a lot of folks trying so hard with some of the stuff that's out there on social media to rotate that they're that their right that their right hip actually is moving towards the target at the top and you know they're actually lean back. And then to me from there, you know, if they're athletic, I mean they got no chance I mean it's just it's really difficult to make a good move towards the ball from there. And I and I think so I think one of the biggest things that I do and I'd love your input on this is like I spend a lot of time with players, once you get the grip and the face really good, Ted, like I, I spend a lot of time on really trying to teach them to turn away from the ball correctly and load into that right side, obviously, if they're right and a player correctly. I think that if you can get a player to do that, I mean, you really do set them up. I mean, it makes the downswing a whole lot easier if they're in a better damn position at the top. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, I like to see uh, one of the drills that I do is I have a, a three-quarter inch uh, rod uh, that you, know, you go we'll go from lows and uh, I put a, a broken shaft on the end of it with a tennis ball on the end of it and the back part I just put some electrical tape on the rod so when you put the the rod down it's outside your left hip and the tennis ball is sitting on the ground you know the, the, the club head mm-hmm. so I make them take it to the top of the back swing load up rotate as strong as you can to the left and if that thing hits you in the left side of your, your uh, ribs you're not doing it right. You got to get on top. It makes you stay on top of the ball and rotate to the left, where your hands move left and low. And boy, I tell you what, you cannot believe how you can take a person that's leaning to the right, way to the right. All of a sudden, now they're on top of the ball. So it's still one of my one of my favorite training aids when I that my son Mark Shepard actually developed that I've copied and I and I use that all the time. You know that pressure board that Mark developed and and you got, I use that as you know I use that all the time. And, and I think it's my favorite part of it is not just the backswing, but showing them how you shift into the left and then how, like, I, I had Richie Warinsky, a tour player, in not long ago, and how you got to shift to the left, but then you've got to leave the left side down while you turn through. So many folks get, they push the left side down, but then the pressure, it starts tilting back to the right going through the ball. I think it's a fantastic training aid. I mean, it's just so damn simple. But man, it's so it's easy to use. It's one of our favorite training aids. The uh, getting a person to learn to transfer the pressure from the back foot to the front ball of the foot to the left heel is uh, really the most important move in golf. You know, but you can't do that if your hips are moving toward the target on the backswing. You got to feel the load in your back leg, and then as you approach the top, then you put that pressure down. And the other thing I like about the board is. It allows your weight to go into the ground more, so as you turn through the ball, your left yeah. side pushes up more. Yeah, I love that, and I, I think it's just simple. But the also to me, it translates really well to, to athletic, like just how you throw a ball, right? Just how you'd wind up to throw a pitch or a football, and how you'd unwind. And I and I think that 
you know, I don't know what your experience is, but I mean, I, you know, that I'm getting more and more juniors, Ted, than ever that are really good athletes that have played a lot of other sports and they're picking golf and golf is a little cooler now. And I think that stuff like that, that's athletic relates even better to these types of juniors that we're getting in the game today. You get a person, you get a junior player that comes, that would come to me for a lesson. The parents bring them there and, uh, and you can kind of see that they're not very athletic. And I'll ask them, take that kind of, uh, take that golf ball. Let me see it, throw it down a range or in my fit, throw it down into the screen. And when they don't make an athletic move, now I've got to train them to be athletic. So yeah. now, you know, I have to now change ways. And I saw that parent, look, you go home and get a tennis ball and play, play pitch, pitch and catch with this kid. Learn how to wind up and throw, throw the ball. I said, it's the same move in golf. So I'm a, I'm a really believer that when I get a junior player like you and they're athletic, play a lot of baseball, man, you can get them uh, pretty good pretty quick. Am I right? Oh, yeah. I love what you said in the beginning about keeping it simple. But I think the more you can train people, you know, my good friend Colby Touye, who's a, who I do a lot of work with, who's a big trainer on tour, works with JT and a bunch of those guys. And he's always saying, you know, if you can teach them the movement pattern, the athletic movement pattern first, then it's easier to transfer it to the golf swing. And I mean, I think that's exactly what you're saying. Like if you teach them the athletic move, then it transfers easy, way easier to making a golf swing versus just, you know, if they don't have any athletic ability or you don't address it like that and you just start teaching them golf, you know, put the club here, do this, do that, I think it's way harder for them to acquire the skill. I think if you teach them the movement pattern, like you said, teach them the athletic move, I think they've got a way – I think they pick it up faster is what I think. Yeah, I agree. I, Tony, did you ever use a uh, – did you ever, ha- did you ever get a, use a horse whip? I know what one is, but I ha- I haven't been around that many horses. Well, I, I, neither. But I I had got this idea one time, and I uh, I bought a horse whip from uh, Amazon for like seven dollars. So when I get a person <laughs> to me that's a female golfer that's sitting the ball with a driver at one twenty five, one thirty five, and they're holding on to the club, they cannot release the club head. I put the horse whip in their hand and I said, "How loud a noise can you make?" And boy, when they start accelerating a club through, and I show them the video. And you show them that the handle of the club now is pointing back to the ball instead of into their left shoulder. You can pick up, you know, 25, 35, 40 yards. And they go from a driver hitting at 135, the next swing is 165. Mm-hmm. They say, oh my goodness. And well, that's the first time you learn to release your clubhead. So it's one of those things where I kind of thought that would be pretty neat to do. And, it, and it's been fantastic. It's been a great little training aid for people who need to increase their speed. I like the pressure board. I, I I love the stuff that you come up with that's simple, that has an effect on, you know, and I, on all golfers. And one of the other things I've always respect and I've liked and followed about you is you teach golfers of all skill levels, right? And we did a thing the other night with Claude Harmon, and he talked about how he still likes to teach, you know, 20 handicappers that the Floridian. And I think that's a mark of a great teacher, though, is a teacher. I think it's easy I don't think it's easy teaching tour players, but it's it's way different than teaching juniors or club golfers and developing them to to reach goals. And I still think that's real teaching, and what and that's like our that's how you find out who the people that are really good at what they do. People have been able to make it a long time teaching people of all skill levels. Well, a person comes to you and he's a 22 handicapper hitting a big banana ball to the right. It's not hard to change the grip and to change the the downswing a little bit, and you get a little bit of release through the golf ball. 
and put an impact back there and tell him stick the toe in the pillow a little bit more, all of a sudden now he goes from hitting it out, out to the right to the left, and it takes 10 minutes to do that. And I think, man, now you've done a great job of that 22 handicapper. It's a quick fix, but you've taught him how to release the club head. So those are the things that I think we continue to do because I, I don't teach just all top players. I have a lot of people who come to see me who are 18, 20, 24 handicappers. And when you can take somebody from a 30 handicapper to a 17 in one year, I think you've done a pretty good job. You've done a dang good job, and that's as impressive as any teaching that you do. And, you know, I still love it. I think some of the most rewarding teaching you do is taking somebody that's, that shoots 90 all the time and getting them to where they can shoot 78 to 81. I mean, those people become such big proponents of the game, but they're so – the excitement you see when they break 80 the first time, Ted, and, how, you know, the texts you get and so forth is so rewarding to me. And, I mean, obviously I spend a lot of time with tour players and – competitive players but it doesn't replace the fun that you have when you when you help somebody and to me if they buy in and they and they'll practice and do the stuff that folks like you tell them they can make that change in a year they can do that and not and they don't have to hit eight thousand balls a day to do that but if they have a plan and you're giving them the right info they can do that the key is they have to buy in they have to trust what you, and if they see the results on the range why wouldn't you buy in you know right if you leave there, keep slicing the ball, you're not going to buy in. But you get that person drawing the ball or a guy's hitting the ball left and you get him to hit it now a little more down the middle with it maybe a cut fade versus a duck hook, why wouldn't they buy in? They've got to buy in. And I and I tell them, if you don't go back and uh, practice and at least swing in your yard, swing in your house, you know, I'll, I'll build a training aid for you that you can take your house and swing in your house to give you the field I want. And I said, that's, that's what you have to do, you know. And so if we, if we can continue to – to make average players better, to me, that's more important than working with a tour player that's already a great player. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Here's a question for you I was wondering. How long have you been teaching now, Ted? Since 1966. Woo! That's a while. I'm I'm 77 years old. I'll be 78 in about three weeks. Uh, This will be my last year in Florida. I've been 39 years teaching in Florida in my golf schools. This, This is our last year. We're going to call it quits. Uh, myself, my, my son, Mark, he got two kids, a golf learning center he built, which is really nice, indoors, uh, like my place. So we're, just, we're not going to be doing this anymore after this year. But teaching golf since 1966, and I still have the same passion now I had 30 years ago. I love teaching people to get better, you know. But when you look back, if you've been teaching since 66, if you could share advice with Ted Sheftick, starting out that many years ago, 55 years ago, what would you tell him? I would say go to some of the teachers that are my age, and not the younger teachers at my age, and study. You know, go watch them teach for a day. Watch them teach for two days. Go get books. Go get books. Homer Kelly, the five, you know Homer Kelly's book. Go get some of the great books of all time and start reading some books. Percy Boomer's book, Ben Hogan's book. You know, study, study the golf swing of the players back then yesterday, and study the players today and learn how to get those fundamentals correct. And I would tell them, remember this, the most important fundamentals in golf are, number one, impact. you got to have impact. You can't have that shaft leaning backward. The shaft's got to be forward. It has to match the pocket. Number two, the club's got to go back in a good path. It's got to come down on a good path. You can't be outside in. You can't be inside too much. You can't swing to the right too much. You can't swing to the left too much. So, And all that criteria is getting the body, the pivot, to work correctly. So when the 
pivots working correctly, you get that chef in a good plane, get a good stance, good posture, and that's it. I mean, it's not complicated. It's just don't let the hands go out on the takeaway. Don't let the club come in too much on the takeaway. Just try to keep your fundamentals as clean, as simple as possible, and study the old swings of the, of the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and I think they'll become a better teacher. That's great. I know that you never quit learning. I know that you, and I know in particular, I've talked with you at many a golf magazine teaching summit. We've talked about the stuff we've seen. What do you do to continue your learning now? Like, what, How do you push yourself to keep learning? And like, what are your sources of information for you at this stage in teaching? I like going to the, you know, like Pinehurst. We went to Pinehurst at the summit. I, I enjoyed that. And I, I'll take maybe three or four things which I like and I might use it. And that's how you learn. You know, you learn a little bit uh, every time you go someplace to uh, educate yourself with some of the some of the great teachers, some of the speakers. I spent a lot of time. One of my closest friends is Dr. Rob Neal. Uh, Rob Neal, you know Rob. He's a yep. biomechanic, one of the best in the world. Uh, I've been working with Rob now for 12, 14 years. He comes to my place every year for a week. We work with my top players. We do a golf school together. He told me I helped educate him, and I told him he helped educate me. So when you're around smart people like Dr. Neal and uh, Mike Adams, you know, one of my real close friends, uh, mm-hmm. you continue to learn, you know, you just, you just, you pick your brains apart. And now people are picking my brains apart, you know, because I do things that are u- uniquely different than most pros. What would you say? Give me a couple of things. I think people need to know this. What would you say you do some things that are uniquely different than other teachers they find out there? Okay, so here's, here's a good example. If I get a person that's coming to me and he's over the top, the club is coming way outside in. So the way to change that is to change the pivot and the tap. So years ago, when I was at my first top 100 teachers retreat back in Arizona, I think this is 2004 or five, and right. Martin Hall was at the head of the table. He was the moderator at the table. And he said, there were 16 guys there. He said, when it comes to your turn, Tell me something that's you, that uniquely that you do that that, you never, that nobody knows about. So when it came to my turn, I said, uh, well, Martin, I said, I have the move that Hogan made, and I call it my double turn. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, let me stand up and show you. If a person is turning to the right and turning to the left quickly, and the shoulders are kicking out, the shaft's kicking out, then I tell them, turn to the right to go back, and when you start your downswing, turn more to the right to start down. So that second turn to the right will drop the shaft to the inside every time, and it's impossible to come over the top. Mm. So I put a shaft across your later. I turn to the right to go back. I said, now, when you start your downswing, turn to the right to go down. Now, wow. what happens is they don't turn to the right. They just don't come over the top. So that's been one of the, one of the things that I've done over the years since 1998, 1999. When I saw Hogan on all the videos that I have, I said, He's making a move I've never seen before. He, Because he, Hogan shifted to the right, and as soon as he started down, his hips went so to the left, but it went up to the right and then quickly turned to the left. I'm stealing that tip you just gave. I'm, I'm telling you. <laughs> you, you, remember, you remember Bob Kramer, who passed away a couple of years ago? Uh-huh. Well, he was a, you know, one of our top teachers, and he always came out to watch me teach a lot. He would sit there in a chair for hours and watch me teach. And I said, Bob, I've never showed anybody this, but I'm going to show you because the next guy's coming here for a lesson. I know he's over the top because he told me he's really slicing the ball. So Bob's sitting here at the chair, and I said, now watch, watch what I'm going to do. 
So I took this gentleman and I, and I showed him. I put the shaft across his legs, and it felt very awkward to him. He said, oh, my God, I can't hit a ball that way. I said, well, turn to the right, stop. Now, turn to the right, start down. Well, what happened was after about four or five or six misses, he finally nailed one. And I put him on video with the camera in the back, and I said, how's your path? He said, it's perfect. I said, well, the reason why, I said, you're really not doing what you think you're doing. You think you're turning to the right. What you're doing is making a correct shift with the shaft falling in. So I said, it's real versus feel. So Bob left there. He was all excited. He said, I got a lesson on Thursday. The guy is over the top. I can't get rid of it. So he calls me up, and the next day he says, guess what, Ted? The guy sent me a half a case of champagne. He said he was so excited. <laughs> it's the first time I've ever seen him hit a draw. <laughs> I said, Bob, you should give me half of that. <laughs> you should. You should have gotten. You should have gotten at least your share. So Bob says I've used that ever since. Now he's passed away, but that's one of the great moves in golf. And uh, I've cured so many people that uh, it's kind of real versus feel. You're not going to yeah. do what you think you're doing. You're just going to make the correct move. When you make that second turn to the right, your hips are shifting, the shaft's falling back in, the right shoulder's staying back, the right hip's staying back, everything's staying back, and the shaft has to come from the inside. It's impossible to come over the top if you make that second turn to the right. That's feel my, versus real. That's feel versus real. That's probably one of the things I've done back uh, in the late 90s, and I've refined it a lot. So when I get awesome. a person that I'm having a hard time getting them to to correctly, without that thing, I, go, I say, okay, well, I say, that's it. I'm going to my magic move. I call it Ted's magic move. Ted's and the magic, magic move, move is two turns to the right. The last question here. If if somebody comes to you for, a, for any player really wanting to get better this year, from all your years of experience, what will you tell them if they really wanted to make a difference this year? You know, a lot of folks come and they're like, ah, this year I want to get better, and they but they don't really commit and they don't really get better, and they look up at the end of 22, their exact same handicap they were at the beginning of it, what would you tell them they need to do this year, and, and how would you guide them along that path? Well, what I would do is I, put, I would put a program together where if you purchase five lessons, you get one free. And we're going to do that, and, and this way you're, you'll get the, the cost of the last lesson. It'll save you some money, but I need to have you dedicated to make the changes I want. Plus, I'm going to put a team. So let's say the person's in there you know, 20s, 30s, and they really want to become a good player. I will say, okay, here's going to be the team. The team's going to be you. It's going to be me. And when Dr. Neal comes up, he's going to see you at least twice. So from here on in, you're going to have a team of three people, yourself, myself, and Dr. Rod Neal. I like to put a biomechanic in with yep. the team. If they don't want to do that, then I say, all right, what I need to do is I want to see you at least once every two weeks for, you know, five, six weeks. Then we'll go maybe – maybe once a month, but I said, you have to show me some dedication, and when you come back to me, the changes have to be made. You cannot go back to what you did. You just, you can't do that. And I said, the other thing is, every other lesson, we're going to, I'm going to watch you play five, six holes. I've got to teach you how to manage the game. I've got to teach you how to hit chipping. I've got to teach you distance control from 20, 30, 40, 50 yards in. If you have a 40-yard shot, you can't hit it 55 yards. If you've got a 75-yard shot, you can't hit it 45 yards. So my, my distance control that I teach, I think, is second to none. And I demand my students to hit 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. And the ball has to be, you have to learn to hit it between 18 to 22, uh, 28 to 32, you know, 38 to 42. That's, that's our goal. And if you can teach them distance control and, you know, teach them how to spin the ball, keep that launch under 30 degrees, 
it's a long road. I mean, that, I tell them that, you know, we got to do everything. You got to, I got to improve your putting. I got to improve your chipping. I got to take on a golf course, teach how to think on a golf course, how to hit knockdown shots, how to hit a high ball over the tree, how to hit a shot left or right if you're under a tree. I mean, those are things if they want to become good, that's what they have to learn to do. So you, you, you got to do the whole, the whole thing. That's awesome because that's exactly right. It's not just taking some one-hour golf lessons where somebody films it and your golf swing looks pretty. Becoming a better player is addressing every part of the game and improving every part of it. And I love what you said about involving Dr. Neal. I, I use biomechanics as well. And, 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 Ted, I'm such a huge fan of how you – the way you teach and, and you involve biomechanics, but you still taste, stay true to the stuff that you believe and that you've learned. Man, I think it's awesome. And I, and I can't thank you enough for – the time you've always been generous spending time with me and, and sharing information and, and for taking time this morning to come on here on the tour coach. But I, I appreciate it. And I'm a big fan of yours. Tony, I really appreciate uh, talking to you as always. I look forward to it. It was great seeing you at, in Pinehurst. And like I said, you do a great job out there. Uh, I like your uh, videos that I get a chance to watch when you send me the emails and, uh, and I continue to try to try to learn, you know, just always try to get better. Ted, thank you very much. Appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you the next time uh, we're together at one of these conferences. Thank you, Tony. Have a great day.